Hello and welcome to another episode of Startups, Sparks and Serendipity. This is Mike. I'm here as always or almost always with Max. How are you doing? Mike, you sound like a perfect uh, radio moderator, I have to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Actually, I get the being a radio moderator comment a lot when I'm in Zoom calls because my my setup looks a bit as if I <laughs> have my own home studio. Currently, I'm not recording out of my home studio, but out of a different room. So maybe the acoustic is a bit different, but we'll see. It's a, it's a bit different, but it's actually a good discussion. I mean, um, I've also had that uh, discussion with, with the team about how important it is to buy kind of your own more professional uh, voice and potentially also a webcam setup, when, especially when you talk to external people as well. Because I think as, as soon as the crisis hit, it's still not as important to have super high voice quality in calls. There are still lots of people where the voice quality is just very, very bad. Um, and um, what do you think about it? Like, is when you talk to the US people, is that different? Do they care a bit more about the audio part or is that not really a difference there? I think it's a, it's, it's a very good point. Actually, your setup itself has become a bit of a status symbol, right? So <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't really matter that much but you you often notice the really bad and the really good case so if someone just has a really cool background virtual or a real background and then a good a good setup the the webcam is very clear and the voice is very clear and maybe they have a studio mic in front of them just it just looks a bit more impressive than having your i don't know five bucks <laughs> headphones and you were i don't know in the middle of nowhere or mm -hmm. may, maybe at a, just a weird place. So I think the really bad cases, you definitely notice them, especially when someone has problems. And then the really good cases, you also notice them. And I think actually for your own sake, just having this additional vector that you can use mm -hmm. to appear more professional is, I think, very helpful. So I think my setup and the fact that it looks fairly professional is definitely helpful in external conversations. I agree. I mean, I agree. I, I, um, I just wonder because I think we've never talked about the the setup. I mean, both of us actually uh, are using an Ona mic, uh, so A A U N A, um, and I think it's not too expensive, right? It's like seventy bucks, um, and and roughly seventy bucks, and super helpful. Um, I mean, we don't we don't get promoted by them, but I think not it's yet. a good recommendation that I've also seen. Uh, Max, not yet, not yet. Yeah, maybe we need to reach out to them. <laughs> no, but I think uh, in case people wondered uh, which microphones we have, um, we can put them in the show notes in case you want to look them up. But there's also uh, last time when we chatted, I also used a microphone that you can attach to your shirt, um, which mm -hmm. is a bit more simplistic. You can um, you can use that more or less on the fly. And you do, if, if you're traveling for a couple of days, you can take it with you uh, instead of a bigger microphone. So maybe I can also put that in the show notes, uh, which also has great quality, by the way. Yeah. In addition to mics, what are the things that you think people should invest some money in? For the, the home office office setup or? Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's funny that you're asking because like uh, I started today um, again with more like uh, standing instead of just sitting too much. Um, and I realized because I, I, I talked about it, I have like the, um, how's it called again? Yeah, the monkey desk, um, which more or less is like a, 
two pieces that help you to actually just put up the monkey desk and you can put the you can put your to your laptop or or screen on top of, of one of the desks and it's super easy to to just build and, and put it on your on your initial desk um, but i just bought a webcam online for like 40 50 bucks to test uh, how much better that is going to be because especially when you have a, a separate screen and you want to use that as your primary screen instead of your laptop screen it makes sense to invest in a webcam to not just kind of flip around between your laptop and and the initial screen because you also uh, look down um, when you when you actually talk to people which is not very healthy for your neck uh, so I think a webcam can make sense if that's if that fits let's say to your to your uh, environment um, but besides that I'm quite simplistic I don't really have any home office tools that help me I think that much okay yeah I can I can elaborate a bit on my end so yeah Mike is pretty cool I think not not necessary but definitely just a, a nice upgrade I think a webcam, depending on the quality of your internal webcam, can do a lot of wonders. But then also, if the webcam is too good, then um, uh, that, that might cause some problems <laughs> as well. But uh, I think just investing, uh, like putting some money into a decent webcam, I think 40, 50 bucks, you, you should get a good webcam for that. Not a perfect one, but mm -hmm. definitely something that's better than most webcams. I think that can be helpful. Headphones, I think. That's one of the major things many people underestimate. I think having proper headphones is very, very important, especially for me, but I'm a, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that. I, I always wear my headphones. <laughs> it's just not possible without them. I can't leave my, my apartment or whatever place I'm, I'm going <laughs> out from like without my headphones. It just doesn't work. And then also one thing that is a, quite a nice hack, especially if you work from home, is if you buy something that you can uh, put behind you because sometimes the virtual background features are not really they don't look that professional right depending on how good your processor is mm. uh, maybe it's it's a bit wacky so what i did is i bought i don't even know what the name for it is basically i, I bought two two stands and then like s some kind of uh, background that usually photographers use in their photo studios. It wasn't that expensive, but it's it's a really nice background setup. And I bought it in black and white and in green. So if I ever want a virtual background, I have a green screen. And usually the quality of the virtual background is better then. But then also I often use the, the black or the white background just to have a simplistic background that looks professional. And also you don't need to tidy up behind the screen, mm. which is a very, very good life hack. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you are in any case, if you're unorganized or something is behind you in the room that other people shouldn't necessarily see, but it's the best way, the best setup for your desk, right? I, I know some people that had like had to put their desk in a very weird angle that's not really comfortable for them because there's just parts of the home where people are going through or uh, it, it really depends on your setup, right? So getting that is definitely was a nice addition. And then one other thing that I bought because I have a lot of calls at night and uh, I don't necessarily always have the best lighting setup if there's no natural sunlight. I bought one of these uh, streamer lamps. I think I bought it for like 10 bucks, 12 bucks or whatever. And I look way, I don't know, way more energetic. And I look like, I don't know, like sometimes during the nightly calls, uh, having this additional artificial light really, really helps to improve the overall visual appeal of your, your image. So yeah, I can recommend that as well. And it's not that expensive. Mm. 
I mean, I already see you going into different side hustles, um, being uh, Mike, the new photographer, where people just come into your new office in Berlin at the moment temporarily and uh, just take some some good pictures yeah. uh, with your with your virtual background. Of course, uh, like everyone, come in. Uh, I can't I can't take the photos, but I can definitely provide you with the green screen background. I'm sure I'm. I'm sure uh, uh, one of your co-founders can. Actually, both can, which is very annoying. Also, super helpful. But uh, yeah, no, they are both actually very good at uh, all of these design th uh, things and taking photos. Yeah, I, I, I can agree. I've, I've seen one of them um, taking pictures uh, during events. I think so. Uh, it's it's good to good to uh, good to see that at least. Um, uh, one thing that I, I mean is I'm also quite curious about uh, since we also talk a bit about the home office situation is um, the socializing part because we I mean we talk about the setup which is more the technical technicality part of, of of being at home and one other part which is of course very close to us humans is uh, being social and being in a social environment which kind of is being dismissed at the moment. Do you have kind of any tips on how you have socialized uh, in the past now, especially during the second uh, light lockdown in Germany for yourself? Anything that you want to share? Yeah, I have a, I have a quick counter question because I, I thought about that specific issue. How many new people have you met this year? Just roughly. You don't have to like tell me a number, but and then compare it to every single year that you lived before because like i'll give you a couple of seconds do you, do you have a rough estimate um that, that's a good question it's probably not even a third um of the people i would say because there are like I, i joined different events and you just randomly meet people yeah and i my analysis of my my own life basically taught me that i think that and like since i went to kindergarten for the first time there hasn't been a year where i met fewer new people in in a like in a physical like re, like real life way because remotely i met a lot of new people through work and uh, other like side hustles but like really in person it's insane i think i i definitely like i don't i don't i, don't, I can't remember a single person since corona started right now that i've met through an in person interaction It just doesn't really doesn't really like at least for me mm. doesn't doesn't sound true and that's really weird because both of us are like fairly extroverted right we we like to meet new people mm -hmm. we we like yep. both like social events career events not not necessarily career but like business related events and uh, another question that I saw on Twitter earlier today was something that I wanted to ask you as well and then I, I'm happy to talk a bit more about socializing but as you might have noticed from my answer. There wasn't that much socializing in the last eight to nine months. Uh, but uh, if you think about all the digital events that you currently have, right, and compare them to the physical events that you usually have, what's your preference? Do you prefer the digital events? Do you think they have a lot of benefits? Would you rather go back to the physical ones immediately? How do you think about it? I think there's kind of a bit like there's a big... Uh... A big threshold between uh, very good online events and very bad online events. Um, what annoys me quite a bit at the moment is that a lot of events are more or less just replaced with a digital version, version, and that's it. Um, so just more or less speakers on a virtual stage presenting a 30 minute or even sometimes an hour uh, presentation um, where they expect to have the same audience interaction 
like on real events. I think that's just um, a misassumption. Um, people can't really concentrate for longer than 20 minutes virtually, um, especially on one speaker that is telling the story or a presentation. Uh, so I think the threshold is quite big. When, when you look at digital events that are well-organized, that have a more creative setup, uh, I've seen the first events now where you have the feeling that you are in a virtual room and you see kind of different people hanging on different, uh, not hanging, but actually different screens on different walls with different people or with different rooms that you can virtually join. I think that's a somehow more interactive way of, of, of actually doing and executing a digital event, which is also much more fun for the person joining it. And I think the big advantages are, of course, you're, you're potentially not tired because there's no jet lag involved. Uh, you haven't kind of been flying around across different countries just for one presentation or one pitch. And I think that's a big benefit from the, for the digital side. But I think the whole networking part is more or less dead. Um, I, I was I, I listened into a conversation about HR and 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 and, and talent and, and career development a couple of days ago, just for a couple of hours, and I went into one of the networking sessions because I was just curious how it looks like. And I think there were kind of like three, four hundred people actually listening to a presentation and on different stages, and there was zero. There were zero people in the networking session. And I think that's totally different in a real life event where you meet people on the coffee table or uh, in different environments. So I think that's the big advantage that I've seen, uh, disadvantage that I've seen. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with, with everything you just said. I have a couple of additions. So for me, it's it's very similar. I think there's like an 80% yeah. of digital events that just suck. <laughs> and uh, not, not because the people who organize them are bad or be, because the people who are there are bad, but it's, I just don't need another like seven Zoom calls added to my calendar. Like I really don't. <laughs> I really, really don't. And uh, I totally agree that uh, sometimes it's, it's helpful, right? Because you actually get access to very good information very quickly. And you just said the friction is very low. For example, I, in the past four weeks, I've given a workshop for an accelerator in South Africa, in San Francisco, and one in Shanghai. And I, I also spoke at a like virtual conference uh, that was like supposed to be a like real world conference in Europe. And I did all of that from the same room, which is pretty cool. So I think that's a really, really beneficial thing. And I actually hope that some of these digital conferences will, or, the, or not necessarily conferences, but also just these workshops and some of these things will continue to happen because I think it opens up a lot of expertise for people that don't necessarily live in the hubs or can't travel to the hubs, right? So I think that's a, a big benefit. But yeah, please, 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 for the like 20 really, really good in-person events, I really miss them. I don't miss 80% of events. I think 80% can go digital. Mm. I don't care. Especially once we go back into the real world, having a digital event from now and then will be fine. But I really miss these like great events where you meet insane people, where you have a long night conversations with people you maybe like made your business with or deal with at some point. And yeah, that's, that's really, really lacking. It's a it's a, it's it's interesting that you say that because we um, at Starmind with with parts of the product and engineering and uh, also AI team we joined a a hackathon as a 
well as, as a sponsor actually uh, from your previous university, which was quite exciting. Great organizers, great people. And we had lots of fun. And the interesting part is that usually the event happens in person, right? You know that. Um, so the, the hackathon usually happens in Valendar, right in the center of nowhere, more or less. Um, <laughs> shout out to everybody listening from your back at previous university. But the interesting part is they more or less had the opportunity now to start an event, especially a hackathon. And there were people from all over the world, India, China, the United States, Europe, all different continents were more or less coming together. And you could use the expertise and the know-how from every person coming from different areas and different backgrounds and different interests. And um, the results were uh, fascinating, even though people were more or less communicating remotely. There was kind of different barriers, of course, to communicate most, more efficiently because um, a, a setup for a hackathon uh, on a virtual side is also more complicated than, than in person because as, a, as also as, a, as an organizer, you can actually walk around and get a better sense of what people are working on if they, can, if they need some spontaneous help. However, I think because of the diversity of people coming together from different areas, the results were phenomenal. And I think that is something that is uh, probably going to open up a new way of organizing events, especially when we look onto hackathons more as losing the whole um, geographical boundaries that, that happen, especially when you think about hackathons. That's, that's kind of the, the, the thought that I have. And, and I have a question actually to you, because of course you have lived in kind of two, two central hubs for startups, one in Europe, one in the US, uh, being San Francisco and Berlin. How did you, like, do you think the whole, because I think Naval Ravikant, like two years ago, he said, if you want to know more about startups, you need to go to one of these hubs. Do you think that's going to change now? Um, because of the whole situation, also looking forward, uh, that maybe startup hubs are we going to become less relevant, or what do you think about that? Yeah, actually, I think it is already changing, and especially during the pandemic, it doesn't matter where you are, right? You can be everywhere. Mm. The problem is that once these hubs are not as relevant anymore, you need to get access through other means, which is usually the internet, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, a lot of knowledge is exchanged on Twitter. That's probably the like premier place, I think, to interact with other smart people that are knowledgeable about the startup space from all over the world. But one thing that I noticed is that most of the people who are leaving the hubs are not people who are in need of actually more input, but rather people who are already very accomplished. That's, that's basically the okay. trend that I'm seeing. So people that don't necessarily need to build their network anymore. Because I think for the foreseeable future, it will still be much easier to build a great network and a knowledge base in a hub, just because way more people are just interested in what you're building. I think you can actually build very cool things in a remote setup or from other places. You can build a network from, other, from being remote or not being in the hub, but I think it's just more difficult, or let's say it requires a different skill set, mm. right? So being good at networking on Twitter is very different than meeting the right people in person in San Francisco, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's shifting a bit. And I actually like that more and more serendipity can be like accessed online rather than only offline. But I, in my experience, mm -hmm. offline experiences still matter a lot when building actual relationships. And there are people on Twitter that probably disagree with me and tell me, hey, I've met so many of my best friends, like our smartest people online. Yeah. And I agree to a point, but I still think that relationships are stronger. Like if you leave out all the other factors, if you've met someone in person, right? You can meet someone on Twitter and then meet in person. I mean, that's literally how we met, right? Not on Twitter, but through LinkedIn, uh, which is which is weird if you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. And True. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And it took us, I think, even two years to meet in person. 
Yeah, and like when we met Max, <laughs> like we felt like we were already really, really good friends, right? So the internet is amazing and mm. it can open up a lot of new possibilities that you wouldn't otherwise get. But yeah, I still think that living in a startup hub is just a competitive advantage. At least out, like if, you, if you're not in a pandemic. And then also it depends a bit on the costs, right? For example, San Francisco is just super expensive. Mm. It's really, really expensive. So depending on what you're building, a different city that's still a hub, but that's a bit less expensive depending on your financial means and ability to fundraise might be a better place. But I still think for me personally, if you build a software startup, then hmm. being in San Francisco is probably the best place for, for most people in the US or potentially in the world, depending on which market you target. And then if you're in Europe, uh, I think Berlin uh, hmm. is still the best place. I and I, I'm happy to argue with everyone that says London. <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, also seen both, but uh, I think Berlin is definitely a step a step ahead. I mean, also for, for when we talk about serendipity, right, which is not just in our title, but we also had Christian uh, Bush in our podcast, which uh, researched about the topic, topic in very much detail. But I think the serendipity also happens when you are, for example, in Berlin and you are invited for more or less a casual dinner with a friend of yours and he brings his or her investors um, to the table and, and you just have a random conversation about uh, startups, the investing world and, and different implications of the startup uh, factors more or less. And I think that just doesn't happen at scale anymore where you just meet people and they bring other people because they find it interesting that you meet them. Virtually, that's just way more difficult. You have a meeting and you set that meeting up with a purpose uh, and it, there are not really like these more or less informal conversations happening anymore. So I think that's also something that I've observed being in, in a scale-up, but also, uh, of course, talking to friends of mine who are in, in different stages of their startup, uh, that it's just a different world right now, kind of meeting people in serendipitous moments. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think we actually digressed a bit from the topic that we wanted to discuss at first, which which happens a lot, right? A lot of things come back to startups when, when the two of us talk. But I think we wanted to talk about socializing and how we actually do it in the current environment a bit more, at least. I mean, we, we kind of touched on it. I, I put the I put I put it on my my head. I talked about the the hubs the hubs, but go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. We we're fine. We're fine. Let's let's put it like that. I think socialize like the year 2020 was really really bad for socializing. I think no one like most people probably wouldn't disagree with that. And I definitely miss a lot of things. I miss going out, listen to some good music, and just having a good party. I think that's definitely something I miss. Then going going to a concert, listening to live music, definitely something I miss. A carnival doesn't take place, and that's hard for me personally. For those who don't know, like the area where I was born and grew up, uh, like carnivals, basically the lifeblood of the whole region. Of course. So yeah. that, that hurts. And then also just not seeing so many of my friends for such a long time, right? In our case, we were remote. So I literally didn't see my co-founders for most of the year. I mean, I saw them every single day, mostly because like we chatted through Google Hangouts or Google Meets or Zoom or whatever, but I didn't see them in person for a long time. And then also many of my friends, uh, I didn't, I don't even know. I think I met a couple of people this year, like, but not too many of my close friends. So yeah, I think it was mostly bad on socializing, but then also since I spent some time at home, because I could literally work from anywhere, right? So I worked from back home. Mm -hmm. My brother was back home, which was very cool. Seeing my parents for a longer time was actually very nice. And I actually think that I saw them more this year than I would have seen them 
in person for the next five years combined if the pandemic didn't happen. I think that's a, that's a very big plus. I saw my grandma a lot. That was, that was very nice. And mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, so in terms of family, it was a good year for me. In terms of like socializing with friends, it was um, a rather suboptimal year. I would say, although some of my friends from back home would say that was a good year because I wasn't in the US. So I, I saw them uh, at least a, a couple of times. Yeah. So I think that's a, like the, the very personal summary of it. And I really miss the energy of just being in a crowd and just like being out there, <laughs> whether it's a, I don't know, more often a concert or a convention or a party or whatever. I really feed of that energy from time to time. I don't need it like every time I can sit in a room and just work straight for four weeks, for months. I don't care. But then at some point, like after the second, third, fourth months, I really, really need some some external energy. I agree. I, I have the exact same thing, especially with concert. I'm, I love hip hop and I love uh, kind of hip hop and rap concerts. And I think that's also where I also take a lot, like I think music and especially hip hop, it's also one of the uh, energy sources that I have, uh, not just for work, but also for um, my private thoughts and stuff. And I think it's quite interesting. I actually, I want to share an anecdote uh, that actually happened just today. I was, I was in a car uh, during lunchtime just uh, to go to a store quickly. And I, I, I opened the door and I actually, um, and, and I, my door was kind of more or less hitting another door that was next to, uh, on the car that was next to me. And um, I, I waited until the guy came and I felt internally that kind of the desire to also talk to people again that you don't know is higher. Um, when actually, when you are more or less in meetings on a day-to-day -day basis in person uh, and it's not happening all digitally, you probably think, okay, I'm going to tell that guy that, um, that I hit his door, I give him my number and we fix it. And today it was more about, we had a conversation for 10 minutes. And, uh, even though I'm, as you mentioned, an extrovert person, I probably wouldn't have done that in non-remote times because I think I felt, uh, uh, the obligation also to have a short conversation and see how he felt about it. And just to clarify, everything's fine. And I even sent him a, a gift uh, for a restaurant just because I, because he said, it's fine. You don't need to do anything with insurance. And I felt that, um, especially in non-remote times, you can do great signs of humility and you can actually help other people that you meet in person. And they respect that a lot, especially because they're all sitting at home. We are all more or less in our private shields all day long. And I think as soon as we come out of the door and somebody comes up to us and speaks to us for a couple of minutes, that's much appreciated in society at the moment. So I think that's something that I, that I also noticed um, in a couple of conversations and did the anecdote from today, I think was just a, another good um, example of, of what you can do still as a person when you meet other people in person and people in person. Yeah. Everyone's lonely and every other person that you meet in the street right now is a potential source of a virus, right? So <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> it's, it's not that, it's not that easy. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Uh, things will change at some point. The vaccine news are actually very promising, right? Yep. So that's very good. German company, right? Uh, yeah, um, one, one from a German company. And then we have a second candidate from a US company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but great to see that. Very, very good. Yeah, I, I like to hear that as well. And let's see. Uh, in the interest of time, I have one or two things that I wanted to mention. First of all, mm -hmm. I don't know how you work, but I sometimes really like to work with some music. Uh, are you the same? 
Um, depends. I I used to do it more and more, um, but uh, I try to to do it less actually, because um, I read a book about it again uh, about kind of distraction, even from coming from music, um, and um, switching from music to non music is not very easy. But I I, I try my best. But I, I think it's probably like eighty twenty. Eighty is without music. Twenty percent is with music. Yeah, for me, it really depends on the tasks. They're just some really, really boring tasks, tedious tasks that I have to do that don't necessarily require like my whole brain power and I need some kind of motivation. So I just turn on the music and just do it. And then when it's... What kind of tasks are these then? Like uh, repetitive tasks or more or less spontaneous tasks that are just boring for you? Uh, like sometimes just administrative stuff, mm. like filling out stuff. Sometimes it's answering emails if they are not the most important ones, but you still have to answer them, right? So that takes some time. And then sometimes, depending on what I think about, like for creative energy, I sometimes use music as well. Okay. And sometimes I need complete silence when, like, depending on what I'm working at. So I, I have my construction uh, headphones as well that block out uh, uh, every single noise from the outside. But yeah, for the music and for everyone who likes to listen to music when they're working, I have a really cool set that was actually recommended to me by one of my employees. And it's called Lane 8, uh, L-A-N-E, and then 8. I think that's the DJ. And then it's Sunrise Set, Grand Lake CO. It's a really, really good set. And I've been listening to that like on repeat for basically the past two days or so. So that's really good. We can put it in the show notes, actually. Oh, yeah, that's it. Nice. And yeah, did you find it? Yeah, one hour, 36 minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a long set. It's a good one. Seems to be very undergroundy. Just uh, 336 people liking it on Spotify. So I think your employee uh, has some underground uh, nerves. Maybe, but I think uh, I, I usually I listen to it on YouTube, I think, mm. at least for the first time. So I think it has more viewers there because it's okay. also in a like good environment or something. I, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't look at the views, <laughs> but yeah, uh, he definitely has some some very good niche tips as well. And then one more thing, I have a content recommendation, which is a book recommendation today. Nice. And it's actually about a topic that I really want to guest. Uh, I want to have a guest uh, on that topic at some point. And the book is called lifespan why we age and why we don't have to from david sinclair mm -hmm. and david is a biologist who is a professor of genetics and a co-director of the center for the biology of aging at oh, the nice. paul f glenn center to like uh, give credits to the dude i don't know but uh, if, if your name is on the building you either donate a lot of money or you were very important in the field mm. so <laughs> Yeah, uh, he he is the co-director of the biology of aging uh, at Harvard Medical School. So impressive dude, and has written a good book. And it was actually recommended to me by one of my co-founders, who I had a very on like let's say uh, like intense and ongoing conversation about uh, the lifespan extension field because I was always I'm still at still in I'm still in the corner of people. Let's say we want to like do everything to extend lifespan and immortality is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's on board now. Um, and he was not on board before. At least, at least not as much, but now like since reading the book, he's getting more and more on board. So yeah, that's, that's very exciting. What's your biggest argument for it? 
I mean, it's just cool. I just want to live longer. I want to <laughs> learn more. And I, I don't really see a reason in dying. Like, like, it's just a problem that has to be solved, right? It's just biology. We can understand biology and we can solve it. So why would I actually be fine with dying if it's a problem that can be solved? Mm. I- so that's my that's my main argument. Especially when there are other problems that need to be solved, and there are certain people which are more or less best knowledgeable experts on these topics. I think it's great if we um, if we keep everyone and uh, if we utilize the knowledge people have. Yeah, and there's so much to learn, so much like stuff to see, and so many things to build. So the longer I can do it, the better. I agree. It's a good um, it's a it's a good book. Uh, so I put it in the show notes. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. And then we definitely need someone on the topic of like life extension and healthy life extension uh, on the podcast at some point. I already have a couple of contacts in that field. So I'll, I'll see who, who would be the best fit. Sounds good. Um, and if somebody in the audience has an idea or has a contact, maybe also let us know. We would love to bring them on. Okay. And uh, do you have anything else to say? Otherwise, I would close it off with a, with a quote. Just one thing that I wanted to mention is um, in case people are using uh, Notion uh, as a note-taking tool, I've uh, watched a short video on how you can structure your book notes um, uh, from from a guy, I think, in the U.S. who was a medical doctor before, and he turned a YouTuber and, and blogger afterwards. And he reads lots of books throughout the year, and he has an interesting way of structuring it. And he also added a template on how you can structure it yourself. So everybody that is kind of looking for a more efficient way of structuring book notes and uh, make it also more findable uh, and searchable in um, Notion, but in every other, other tool as well, I can also put that in uh, in the show notes. I think it's a great source um, for that one. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I think I haven't seen that as well. So send it over. Will do. And yeah, I will end it with a quote from the great Mike Malko, co-host of Startup Sparks Interactivity. <laughs> and the quote is, immortality is pretty cool. <laughs> so I think that's a good way to close it off. Egress. <laughs> no, I just didn't no, have a quote great. prepared and needed to improvise. I like, I like Mike. It's a good and one. Imp- impro- impro- yeah, improvising is my, my second name. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. It was a pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Max. It was great.